Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the leaders who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to anticipate the future, recognize macro trends, and champion innovation in their organizations. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Absolutely, here I am. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I have to tell you, this is where the best run. We always say it, we always mean it, and we think it's true. Welcome to our last show before the holiday season. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I borrowed a quote that one of my panelists was prepared to use because it was so good. I said I wanted to poach it. So this is a quote from Irma Bombeck. She left us way too soon. Irma Louise Bombeck, she lived from 1927 to 1996 in America humorist who had a newspaper column. She wrote books. She did TV appearances and she talked about suburban home life with a wonderful sense of humor. She published 15 books. Most of them made the bestseller list and her columns were read twice a week by 30 million readers of 900 newspapers across the U.S. and Canada. Her first book was as life. If life is a bowl of cherries, what am I doing in the pits? And her next book was Aunt Irma's Cope book and she also wrote The Grass is Always Greener over the septic tank. Let me read the quote to you. The odds of going to the store for a loaf of bread and coming out with only a loaf of bread are three billion to one. Irma, we remember you finally. You did the math and it was all correct. So what are we talking about today? In the battle for the future food chopper. Come on, you all know. You hit the grocery store once in a while. You have something delivered. you got to eat. Well, in this battle for the shopper, that's you and me and everybody we know, no grocery area is more important or relevant than fresh food. I know once in a while fresh fish, fresh meat. You want your vegetables. You want your fruit. You want your dairy. It's fresh. It has to be fresh. Why is it so important? Anybody can sell you a box of cereal, whatever's in the box. Anybody can sell you a box of something that's on the shelf or a can of soup. But what makes a meal? What breaks a good meal? It's the produce. It's the meat. It's the seafood. It's the service counter. Come on. You've all got a deli. You've got a bakery. Fresh, 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 fresh. We all love it and we want it. We want it when we want it and where we want it. So... Who can deliver what I'm told is an industry buzz term, center of the plate dinner, whether you're buying in the store, which I still love, or you're a digital customer, okay, ordering them for home delivery, or maybe ordering them online and then picking them up at the stop off in front of the supermarket. Traditional grocers say, listen up, they and only they have what it takes, the expertise and the experience to get it done. So our title of this episode today is Getting Fresh. Oh, I'm only teasing. The Last Battleground for Grocery. Welcome. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I'm very happy to have three newcomers to radio here. Let me tell you who they are briefly, and then we'll get started with their opening quotes. First up in a moment, I'll be introducing you to Rick Stein, Vice President of Fresh Foods at FMI. He'll tell us all about his role in his organization. Next up, joining him is Chris Evans, and I'll spell his last name, and there's a reason, E-V-A-N. Sales Director. He leads the ADC, that's Applied Data Corporation, EMEA Business. Welcome to Chris. Rounding out the panel is Randy Randy Evans, but it's E-V-I-N-S. First time we've had two people with the same sounding last name but different spellings. He's a Senior Principal IVE for SAP America's Food and Drug 
Retail Vertical. Welcome, gentlemen. Happy to have you here. So let's start out with Rick Stein. He sent us a wonderful quote from Jim Valvano, James Thomas, Anthony Valvano, 1946 to 93, Jimmy V., was an American college basketball player, coach, and broadcaster, most notably at North Carolina State University. I'm in Durham, so that's near here. He won the Arthur Ashe Courage Award. He wrote Jim Volvano's Guide to Eating. (laughs) And Volvano, they gave me a lifetime contract, and then they declared me dead. I have no idea what that one was about. Here is the quote. No matter what business you're in, you can't run in place, or someone will pass you by. It doesn't matter how many games you've won. Rick Stein, great quote. How are you today? Great, Bonnie. How are you today? Uh, it's very nice of you to ask. I'm I'm happy. I'm very happy to have the three of you on the show today, Rick, because food, we, we can't live without it. Sometimes we can't live with it. Sometimes we live despite it. But we all want fresh food. So this is an exciting topic. And Rick, what I love is that this affects everybody, whether they're in your industry, whether they're in business, it doesn't matter. Everybody needs to eat and fresh is always going to be on everybody's plate. Am I right about that? Absolutely. Great topic. So tell me, are you a big fan of Jimmy V? Did you know about him when he was alive? You read his books or just you just found the quote somewhere? Tell me about how you picked the quote. No, no, I love Jimmy V. And I think uh, he was so inspirational. He did so many things while he was coaching and then passed his coaching career, too. And I thought, you know, when we were getting ready for the show, I thought, what a great quote, because um, he really talked about you just can't stay static. You, you got you to gotta be dynamic. You got to keep moving no matter how many times you've won. And I think of the supermarket industry. You know, I think I mentioned to you in our pre-call that I worked mm-hmm. for a supermarket for almost four decades. Yeah. The supermarket industry at times has been the lead horse, and it's been winning the race. And there have been other times where competition or things have changed, and all of a sudden it became a lagger a little bit, and then it found the resources to get back in the lead. So I think it it, it kind of uh, resembles our industry, the supermarket industry, in that we realize that we can't just uh, stay static. static. We have to continually change as the consumer changes and, and realize that no matter how many times we've won, Tomorrow's a whole new day, and uh, and that's really relevant when we get to the fresh side of the business. Very, very well put. And I, I remember, Rick, uh, I met with you and, and Chris and Randy, I think it was Monday this week, and we talked about various experiences in, in our own grocery stores, and I mentioned the one I have here near me in, me in Durham, and I think I mentioned to you that not only am I a customer of the fresh fish department and the deli department and the meat department, but they also have a fresh flower shop. To me, that's just as important as putting flowers on the table with a good meal. So I am, I'm adding to the fresh category. I know it's not edible, but it still is part of the experience. Can you agree with me on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We used to look at the uh, floral department and try and put it as close to the entrance as possible. And what we said is it set the tone for the shopping trip. That when you walk into a floral department, it just puts you in a kind of an emotional mood. It, it, it rings all your senses in terms of celebration. And quite often there's a holiday going on. So your floral department always represents what's happening at that time of year. You know, anywhere from Valentine's Day to Super Bowl to Fourth of July to, you know, uh, Halloween, Christmas. And it, it sets the tone for fresh, too, because flowers are cut fresh. So. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the floral department's a, a great opportunity to win customers' hearts. 
Thank you, and, and it does mine. Very, very nice to have you on the show, Rick. We have so much to learn from you, but let me move just a little bit around the table now to Chris Evans, who spells his last name E-V-A-N-S at A-D-C, and he has sent us a quote from Reba McIntyre. Oh, one of my favorites, Reba Nell McIntyre, and she spells her name just like it sounds. It, it, the entire is E-N-T-I-R-E. I got a kick out of that. Young lady born in 1955. I can say she's a young lady. American singer, songwriter, actress, perpetually looking fabulous and love the red hair of course because I have red hair too record producer she started as a high school student singing in the Kiowa high school band and then she went on local radio with her siblings and in college she performed the national anthem at the National Rodeo in Oklahoma City and a country artist noticed her and brought her to Nashville oh my she branched out into TV she starred on Broadway and Annie Get Your Gun she had her own sitcom and she is the queen of of country, one of the best-selling artists of all time. 28 albums certified gold, 16 number one albums, 42 number one singles, 29 albums altogether in 95 million records worldwide. Who knew? And here is the quote Chris has brought us. To succeed in life, you need three things. A wishbone, a backbone, and a funny bone. Chris Evans, how are you today? I'm very well, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Love the quote. Tell me in retail, in fresh, do you need to have the wishbone? I'm thinking of uh, I'm, think, I'm thinking of a turkey here, the backbone and the funny bone to stay in business. Talk to me. Well, I think you do. Um, it, I, it's a memorable quote, and 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 I, I use it on a personal level. But but when you translate it into the grocery sector, for me, um, the, the wishbone is really all about the differentiation for the chain. It's the vision that they are going how they're going to set their stall out. Um, the backbone is really all about having, having a, um, a supply chain and an infrastructure that is, that is, um, that is reliable. And, and the funny bone, obviously, on a personal level, that's about not taking yourself too seriously. But in, in the grocery space, for me, that, that's all about making the grocery experience um, real and attractive and, draw, and drawing the consumer into your store and persuading them not to buy online. So... Um, so I relate to this both on a personal level, and I think it relates well to grocery as well. I do, too. And and I'm wondering when grocery stores go through change, and we all know, Chris, nobody likes change. It's frightening for a lot of people. It's exciting for some, but it means disruption. That's one of our key words here in our descriptions on Game Changers Radio. Uh, when you think of what stores have to do, uh, Rick talked about that a moment ago, to stay in the moment. Do you think that there sometimes has to be a sense of humor sitting around the table at the management level in a, in a retail store and people are saying, seriously, you want us to put the floral, to, you want us to have flowers, you want us to put them in the front of the store? Do you think that somebody's saying, oh, come on, laugh, it's got to be funny, but maybe it'll bring more customers? What do you think? Well, I think I, I think uh, if you if you're running a, a grocery store, you have to have a sense of humour. Your job is really about managing hundreds of different people to deliver the best they can for for, for the consumer, uh, and, and you come across all kinds of of, of amusing incidents. Um, and uh, one of the key skills in that ro- in in that job is being a good people person and getting your team to perform and and deliver for the consumer every day they come through the come through the door. Thank you very much, Chris. We're very happy to have you on. We'll find out a little bit more about you and where you're calling from a little bit later. And let's go one more stop around the table to Randy Evans, who is waiting patiently. Randy, I said that two weeks ago on the show, and my guest said, 
how do you know I'm patient? So I try not to say it, but I just can't help myself. Randy has sent us a quote from Newt Gingrich. I didn't know his real name. Newton Leroy Gingrich. He was born in 1943. I consider him a pretty young guy, too. An American politician, the 50th Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, way back in the 90s, 95 to 99. He's a member of the Republican Party, U.S. Representative for Georgia's 6th Congressional District from 79 till 99. And he was a candidate for the presidential nomination of his party in 2012, and he's still very much in the news. Here is the quote. This is a good one. Listen up. Perseverance is the hard work you do after you get tired of doing the hard work you already did. Randy Evans, how are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you, Bonnie. I, you know what? I can't remember the last time a guest said that they were wonderful. I'm happy to hear that. I actually, that was a game changer. Thank you, Randy. So, Randy, talk to me about this quote. Agree or disagree with Newt Gingrich? I think it's a pretty cool uh, quote. What do you think? I absolutely agree with it. Um, I've been with SAP for 10 years now, but prior to that, I spent 30 years in the grocery business, specifically in the meat department. And if I could describe what life was like in, that, in those roles... Um, it was always, um, today, I've got a lot of work to do, um, but when I'm done with the day, um, I have a lot of work to do tomorrow and the next day mm-hmm. and the next day. And if you had to look at the industry today, there's a lot of hard work going on, but there's also a lot of hard work coming as the industry recognizes the transformation that it needs to take to digital. And that's coming. It's here. Um it's going to look completely different in 10 years. And the work that needs to be done today to get to that point is, while it may appear daunting and arduous, but it is mm-hmm. a, it's part of that perseverance of getting the job done and being relevant. Thank you. Yeah, job. very interesting. Randy, that goes back to the Jim Valvano quote that Rick Stein just shared with us. Rick at FMI, you can't run in place or someone will pass you by. So I, I think we could say from your quote, Resting on your laurels could mean something as simple as saying, okay, I'm going home, it's 5 o'clock, that's it for the day, I'm not going to worry about anything else coming down the pike. And what what this quote is saying is, you just got to keep on keeping on all the time, right? That's right. If you want to survive, okay. you've got to recognize what's needed tomorrow and participate in the transformation that's going to get you there. Thank you very much. Very apt. And my question to you is... Um, I thought this quote, when I met you on the prep call and we talked about your quote, I thought it for sure it was something attributed to Einstein or somebody like that. It's a really, really good quote. I think this is something we should tell our kids. We're going to find out yeah. more about you, Randy Evans, in a few minutes, and I'm going to circle back around to Mr. Rick Stein. Rick, we'd love to know three things about you for now. Number one, where in the world are you today? What city, country, state, or lake are you on, wherever you are? Number two... What's your favorite holiday beverage? Something personal. We'd love to get to know you a little better. And number three, tell us what FMI is and what your role is, please. Rick Stein. Okay, so I'm talking to you from uh, our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., because I work for the Food Marketing Institute. We're a trade association, and we lobby on behalf of supermarkets. Uh, And my favorite holiday drink is a Wente wine. Um, I lived in California for a short time uh, back in the early 2000s. I lived in the Livermore Valley, and uh, I had grown up in, on the East Coast, and uh, 
what you learn real quick when you move to California, Bonnie, is it's all about the winery that you find. It defines mm-hmm. you in so many social circles. And everyone wants to find their own little uh, uh, winery. Well, my son was playing high school basketball, and the coach of the basketball team was Carl Wente. He's a mm. fifth-generation winemaker from uh, Wente Wines. And so we got to know Carl, and he introduced us to several of his wines. And my particular uh, favorite is their brand called Mth Degree, uh, which is a fabulous red cab. They even have it in a Pinot Noir, but my favorite is the cab. And my wife's favorite is the, um, is the Riva Ranch Chardonnay. And they have a restaurant right there in Livermore Valley that overlooks the golf course and the hills. And my wife and I would sit back there and, uh, in the evening occasionally and have a glass of wine. And we still do that in Maryland now. It just brings us, it transports us immediately back to California. So that, that was our little find, uh, in terms of, uh, that's Our lovely. It, Rick, did you know that the Wente Estate is registered as California Historical Landmark number 957? Did you know that? I did not know it was 957. I knew it was a historical site, though. Yes, and did, <laughs> yeah. did you know that it is the oldest continuously operating family-owned winery in the entire United States? And, and they are just the most down-to-earth people you've ever met. Very They're a cool. great family. Thank you for the introduction. I'm looking here. Obviously, I knew this. I knew this by just intuition. (laughs) No, of course. I'm pretty quick on my Google lookups. Very nice to learn about Wente Vineyards. Thank you very much. And they have an estate tasting room. And now, Rick Stein, tell us what you do at FMI. Where's FMI is based, you said, in D.C.? And what do you do? What does the organization do? So I came to FMI just a little under four years ago. And what I help our members with is the whole side of the fresh side of the business. We sometimes refer to it as the perimeter because many of those departments reside on the perimeter of a store. So I help Mm -hmm. our uh, members in terms of understanding emerging issues, whether it has to do with animal welfare or where food comes from. I help them with legislative and regulatory understanding, you know, menu labeling and, you know, uh, grind logs and things of that nature. And we do a tremendous amount of research where we go out and we ask consumers questions. And, and so we help them uh, help their customers by understanding what their customers are looking for when they shop produce or meat or seafood or bakery or, or food service. So um, in this role, I get to see the whole industry, and I get to help our members uh, be more profitable and drive their sales and help them in any way I can. I bet it's an exciting time to be in the food business. Yes, Rick? It sure is. It's so changing. I think Randy kind of hinted at it by talking about all this transformation that's going on and how these consumers are changing. There's so many ways to dissect it. You know, uh, you can look at it by generation, and everyone loves to talk about how the millennials and you know the Gen Zs are reacting to shopping, and then you still have Gen X, which has a tremendous amount of money in their you know in their capabilities and. You know, I'm on the older side. I'm, I'm, I'm the baby boomer, but, you know, I still say we're relevant, too. I'm still shopping at a supermarket, and uh, yes. it, it, it's a great time to be in this business. And, you know, I think you talked about earlier, you know, anytime you tell somebody you worked at a supermarket or you're going to talk about supermarkets, I got neighbors that will bend my ear talking about their shopping experiences. You even started talking about yours the other day when we started yes. talking. So it's just a fun category and, and fun business to talk about. It really is, and we have so much more to talk about. We're so happy to have you on the show, and now let's move slightly back around the table to Chris Evans at 
ADC. Chris Thames, three questions. Where in the world are you today as you talk to us here live on the radio? Number two, what's your favorite holiday beverage or anytime beverage? And number three, what is ADC and what's your role, please? Okay, well, I'm, call- I'm talking to you from uh, Cambridge in the UK, um, mm-hmm. uh, where it is uh, just about uh, 7.20 in the evening. So, um, in my case, uh, my favorite holiday beverage, and what I'll probably have up after this show, is also a wine. It's a, it's a red wine. Uh, it's called Barolo, the King of the Reds. Um, Barolo comes from northwest Italy. Um, the Piedmont region, um, and it's made from the Nebbiolo grape. If you want to research that, um, I'm already there. I first Go came ahead. Across that when I was traveling in Italy years ago, and it's become a favorite of mine. Um, I drink it all year round, but especially at Christmas time. And we have some in the house today, and um, that's where I'll be. That's where I'll be um, uh, sampling after this after this call. Um, my role at ADC is, well, ADC, first of all, we're a software company that helps grocers with fresh food operations. Uh, we only focus on, on software to help that process. So we, we help them with the operations around the perimeter, uh, as Rick referred to it. Um, we help them with recipes and labeling and, and, and uh, production planning, take the guesswork out of what to make and when to make it. So decision support systems. Uh, we are a U.S. headquartered business, uh, but my job is to grow and evangelize all about our software around Europe. So I'm based mm-hmm. in the U.K. and travel around Europe, um, speaking to customers and potential customers um, about what we do. Thank you very much. And I found an article I want to read a little tiny bit to you. It says, step aside, Bordeaux and Burgundy. There's another bold B on the block that's just as big and bad as you are. We're saying au revoir to our French bottles and Benvenuto to the wine of kings, Barolo. Equally noteworthy and just as delicious, Barolo is considered the cream of the crop, I'll say creme de la creme, when it comes to Italian reds. And though you may not be familiar with it, fear not, we're going to break bad, break down the biggest, baddest red of Piedmont for you with a simple Barolo 101 guide. So this is on a website called Vinepair, V-I-N-E-P-A-I-R.com. Were you familiar with this site, Chris, at all? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with the site. I'm familiar with the wine, but not that site. <laughs> I think this is interesting. So they apparently want to make sure everybody knows what in the world this is all about. So I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for introducing us to Barolo. Appreciate that. Anybody looking up Barolo, it's B-A-R-O-L-O. Only one R and only one L, but a couple of O's in there. Thank you, Chris. And let's move on to Randy Evans. Randy, where in the world are you? What are you drinking this holiday? And what's your role in SA? America's Food and Drug Retail Vertical, please. Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. So right now I am sitting in my car in Kingman, (laughs) Arizona. I'm driving to Williams, Arizona to take my grandchildren to the Polar Express. It's a a train um, Mm -hmm. that drives to the Grand Canyon, and every wintertime they turn it into the Polar Express and reenact the movie, and we've got a family tradition with this is our seventh year in a row doing it so we're on our way and we pulled over so i could take this this call you are so nice to do that i'm very impressed are the grandchildren saying okay let's move it along let's get going back on the road are they being patient they're they're actually in a restaurant having lunch so (laughs) 
you are one smart grandpa. So I can have a, yeah. You've got it all so figured out. Fun. Well, thank very, you for taking time on your journey. We're, we're very impressed. And talk to me. What are you drinking? So my, my drink of choice is also a wine. Um, it's uh, Jordan Cabernet. Um, Jordan Wineries is a Russian River Valley winery uh, in California, Northern California. I had a good friend at HEB where I worked a long time ago that it, uh, introduced it to me, and it's been my drink of choice ever since. It's a fantastic cap. Whatever year you're experiencing, there's some that are better than others, but um, generally it's a fabulous wine. Well, I'll tell you that it's available in my local Total Wine and More store where a lot of my neighbors go because they belong to. We have so many wine drinkers here. We have three wine clubs in my community. <laughs> awesome. They told they told me get a get a, a monthly subscription card to Total Wine. That's the best way to buy it. Any thoughts on that? I I I, um, I think that's a fantastic way to experience a whole lot of wine. Thank you very much. Jordan, California Cabernet Sauvignon. And you can look it up. There's all kinds of interesting. There's a Jordan Winery, if you want to know more, J-O-R-D-A-N Winery. Oh, I just got a holiday message. They're closed December 19th to January 1st. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Beautiful website, by the way. And tell us, what do you do, Randy? Well, I'm. my title is Industry Advisor. And um, I like to tell people I have two jobs at SAP. One is I'm a translator, so I, mm. uh, because I spent 30 years in the business, um, specifically in Fresh, um, I speak grocery. Uh, ah. I also had other roles that were outside of Fresh, too, so I can talk supply chain, merchandising, marketing, kind of the whole gamut, store operations. But that, because I work for SAP, um, I speak Japanese, which means I understand <laughs> what we do. Um, yep. And I'm able to translate. Um, when we say this, it means that. And when the grocer says this, it means that. So I can make sure we're all speaking the same language because sometimes it's a little bit different. And it's kind of unique because I'm a business person. I'm not a technologist. And so it's kind of it's fun because I can, when we get into business conversations with our cu- customers, they're pretty appreciative that I actually know what they do for a living. Because of a lot of instances, the technology mm-hmm. folks get a little bit more yeah. technical and don't yep. quite understand. So, and the second thing I do is I, I, I um, internally help SAP understand what the industry requirements are. What does the industry need? What are, how, what are you know, what things are happening that are changing? How's it going? What's the difference? How, do, what, how does what we do uh, fit what the industry is looking for? How can we augment uh, to do a better job of addressing the industry needs so it's internally an advocate for the industry and externally a translator so we can all speak the same language very interesting years ago i was hired by a correspondent bank in new york that no longer exists and they hired me because number one i spoke english well and number two i was a programmer analyst in my recent previous career before they met me and they brought me in as what they call they created a job for me uh, randy and it was called systems liaison and they said to me 
you're going to sit with the people in the in the IT department or whatever we called it in those days, uh, and you're going to go to the New York office. We were on Long Island. You're going to go to the Manhattan office, and you're going to talk to all the people. Correspondent Bank was not a retail bank. It was a banker's bank, a, a correspondent bank behind the scenes. We did back office processing, as people may or may not know. And they said, you're going to go talk to all the business unit heads in the New York office, and you're going to find out what kinds of reports they need. And then you're going to come back to Woodbury, Long Island, where we were based, and you're going to talk to the programmers, and you're going to tell them, and you're going to translate into English what the business unit owners want, and you're going to translate it into terms that the programmers will get so that they can write the, so they hired me for that. Interesting. So we called that kind of translator. That's what I was, Randy. They called that yep. a systems liaison. Does that sound familiar? It's very familiar. In fact, um, it's interesting when we get into business conversations, like go to a customer and actually have a meeting with a C-level executive. And they look at me, you know, I'm working for SAP, and they expect me to be a technologist. And when they realize that not only am I a business person, I spent my career in business, but when they also find out I spent 25 years in the meat department, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's always worth a, worth a little bit of a laugh. I always like to say that I'm proof that a meat guy can spell SAP. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope I Aaron to my engineer. I hope I didn't go over the top on the red line on the microphone. Thank you very much for that chuckle. I appreciate that very much, Randy Evans. And all I'll tell the three of you is that I'm based it now. I left New York uh, about. 14 months ago, left Long Island after 35 years, and I'm now based in Durham, North Carolina, working from a home office, and I'm not allowed to have anything with caffeine in it during radio show days. I know you (laughs) figured that one out already, gentlemen. All I'm allowed to have is water, so I have cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug looking out of my office window at a kind of a gray day here in Durham. Started at 29 degrees. It was 27 when I woke up. It was 29 by the time I opened the windows. And the the bottle that's sitting in my refrigerator that I love, and I will mention a brand, Harris Teeter is selling their own brand of eggnog light, L-I-G-H-T. They had the courtesy to spell it instead of putting L-I-T-E. It's, I don't know, 38% fewer calories and 29% less carbs. Or sh- I don't even read that stuff. It's phenomenal, and it's a quart. It's two for $5, and I think it's the least expensive eggnog around, and it's drink out of the <coughs> container drinkable. That's all I'm going to say. So that's my holiday treat. I may put a little rum in it as we get closer to the holiday, but that'll be my secret. I won't be on the radio that day, I promise. So, you know what? We're going to take a break, even though it's after the halfway mark. We usually don't, but I want to give my panel a chance to take a sip of something, whatever interesting is in front of the three of you. Rick Stein and I are going to noodle. There's a food word for you. We're going to noodle around on where we're going to start the roundtable when we come back. So all I'm going to say to our listeners is happy holidays. Glad you're spending them with with us today's topic is fresh the last battleground for grocery and you all know what that means we're speaking today with rick stein at fmi chris evans at adc and randy evans at sap i'm still bonnie de graham plan to be after the break don't even think of touching that mouse that app that dial i promise we'll be back this is a fascinating topic and a shout out to my colleague Stephen Sparrow at SAP. He goes at the handle Retail Bird and he put together an amazing panel for us today. Stephen, one of your best. What can I tell you? So we'll be right back. 90 seconds. Count them along with us. Aaron out.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Organizations that act with purpose can impact the greater social world. In doing so, they can also improve their bottom line, boost morale among employees, find it easier to attract top talent, and overall, make the world around them a better place. Purpose is everywhere, and we will help you align your organization to move forward with renewed purpose and vigor, enabling it to thrive in the short term and long term. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how purpose driven organizations can lead to a better present and future for everyone game changers with purpose is presented by sap visit sap.com have you friended us on facebook yet why not just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for the keywords voice america once you are part of our facebook network you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice america talk radio network and you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for voice america Listening to Game Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Retail Leaders. Yes, indeed. We're back, and I have to do a quick shout-out again to Stephen Sparrow at SAP. He's got a dedication to you, uh, Mr. Evans, E-V-I-N-S. He says Randy Evans pulls off the road in Kingman, Arizona, on the way to the Polar Express to share on Getting Fresh the Last Battleground for Grocery on SAP Radio Live. Thank you very much. And our good friend Casey Ryan is also listening, and he's retweeting the Newt Gingrich quote that I put into the Twitter, into the tweeter here. And this is from Randy as well. So, Randy, you've got some friends here on the Twitter feed. What can I tell you? So we're going to start the roundtable in earnest here, as my late wonderful mom used to say. I dated a man named Ernest, and she said to me, yes, but was he sincere? That's all I'll tell you. It was an inside joke. <laughs> Rick, St- Rick Stein at FMI told me the following. Brick-and-mortar supermarkets will continue to dominate the sales of fresh foods. A couple things come into play, although digital... The vast majority of fresh is bought at brick and mortar. Please tell us more, Rick Stein. Well, Bonnie, thanks. You know, uh, right now, probably 60 to 65% of the meat and produce is bought in a brick and mortar establishment uh, across everything. And that number has stayed pretty consistent. And um, if we go back a couple of decades, that number was even higher. So as we've seen farmers markets and other things come about, some of that is spread out. But there's so much debate now as to what's going to happen with Fresh, and will it go digital? Will it go to pure play? Are you going to, you know, some place you order on the phone and somebody's going to deliver it to you? But as we talk to consumers, and we also talk to our retailers, and, and they're checking with their consumers, there's this whole idea of, of two things coming to play. Consumers really like this idea of touching, smelling, mm-hmm. picking out their own fruits and vegetables, their own meats. Uh, sometimes they don't know as much about it, uh, but they still feel like they want to do that. They don't want somebody else picking it out for them. 
And uh, in some cases, you don't always get an optimal experience when you're ordering it um, online. You know, avocados is a great example, Bonnie. Everybody mm-hmm. likes an avocado a little differently. Some want it really soft. Some want it slightly firm. Some are going to eat it today. Some are going to eat it in three days. And mm-hmm. so you're not really trusting somebody else to pick that out for you because you want to determine what you're going to pick out. The other thing I contend is that supermarkets are well-staffed to help their consumers have a great experience. So, you know, the supermarkets have had this personnel that have been working there for years. And so they have meat department managers and produce department managers that know all the uh, ins and outs of their products, and Mm -hmm. they can create a great information source to the consumer. So in my mind, I think supermarkets are going to continue to dominate because that consumers want experiential and they like to touch, smell, and pick out their own fruits and vegetables and meats and uh, fresh prepared and things of that nature. Thank you. I, I would say I can concur with that on a personal reality check. Let's see what our other panelists have to say. Chris Evans at ADC, agree or disagree with Mr. Stein? Uh, agree in the most part. I, I think um, I think we have to recognize that um, consumers are increasingly time poor, though. So if you can mm-hmm. get an online uh, retailer that will execute fresh well, then I think there's a place for them because that's, that channel's growing at about 20% a year. So um, I think there is scope, but it's, um, but, uh, uh, it's a challenge because of, of, of all the reasons Rick, um, Rick commented on. Um, and in terms of the experience, I think the experience of your butchers and your bakers uh, is excellent and it's a differentiating point. Um, although most of those guys are getting old and a lot of them are retiring. And so the challenge I see is, mm-hmm. is there aren't enough trained butchers and bakers coming out of um, the training schools. Um, and uh, the grocers are struggling slightly to, to, get that, to get enough people with the right skills to give that, to give that um, face-to-face support to consumers. So having, having good systems and processes and stuff behind the scenes to help is something else they need to focus on. But largely I agree with Rick, yeah. Very interesting. Yes, we have very young people at the fish counter at my local Harris Teeter. They look like they're barely in their 20s. They seem to know enough to be able to cut a decent three-quarter pound of salmon for me and wrap it separately if I buy three of them. But I'm, I'm not sure how much they really know. I'm hoping they're well-trained. They're very pleasant, though. That counts for a lot, too. Randy Evans at SAP, chime in. Thoughts on, despite pure play online retailers, the customer really wants to touch and smell and basically kick the tires of their fresh food. Agree or disagree? I agree with a caveat. My caveat is we're really talking about digital here. Um, and I think the industry sometimes considers digital only the online experience. And in reality, we're, what, what SAP does, what ADC does really, is helps that meat department go from manual, um, invisible business processes to business processes that are now visible and digitized across the entire breadth of the organization, which means that I can do both. I can be digital. I can handle that digital shopper. I can deliver it if they want to. I can ensure that it's safe and they're getting a great product, but I can also handle it if they want to come into the store and pick it out themselves. But the key is digitizing the entire process so that it's visible, it's consumable, and it's predictable. And then I, once I've done that, um, in perishables and fresh, I can, I can 
sell to whomever wants to buy. And I really don't care whether they're coming into the store or buying online. It's still the same customer. Very interesting. I'll, t- I'll tell the three of you a quick note here. I get a weekly email from Harris Teeter. I have their VIC, their VIC card as a loyalty card. And I get a weekly email that tells me about what's coming up in the next couple of days for the specials. Invariably, they have highlighted in that email what I recently bought. I'm not kidding you. Right. If I bought eggnog two weeks ago, they've got eggnog on sale. If I had a dozen of Eggland's Best Extra Large, it seems to pop up. And I wonder when I go to the store if this was created just for me or whether it, it happens to be. It, w- seriously? How does that work? That's, seriously? It was. They're, yeah, absolutely. They're tracking your sales and they're predicting um, how long it takes to consume a, a quart of eggnog and and it's time to give you a reminder that there's more to be bought. The other so, thing that's happening yeah, go ahead. is it's, in, it's intuitive. Um, there, what else are you going to buy with eggnog? Cinnamon. Um, you mentioned you may later on in the day or later on in the week add a little rum to that eggnog. Um, yep. There's a tons of ways for grocers to, to take that digital information from what you've provided and to predict what you would, what else you would want, and provide you a vis- visible or an offer to get after that as well. So I did. I suspected, but I didn't. No, somebody else wanted to chime in. Who else was going to say something? Well, it was, was it Chris? Rick, you know, I, Rick, go ahead, I Rick. Worked for Safe, I worked for Safeway for many uh-huh. years, and we had I was a customer a there for years. Yeah, and we we had developed a loyalty program as well, and that is part of the benefits of a loyalty program is we're collecting all your your information. And we don't know that it's you. You're just a number in the system. So we're not associating Mm -hmm. it to Bonnie. We're associating it to a number. And then you probably could fall into a cluster of customers that are very similar to you. And then we can offer and target certain offers to you. And then we could go to the suppliers and say, hey, can you help subsidize these offers? Because we have somebody who's very loyal to eggnog, and perhaps you can subsidize it. So it's a great way to continue loyalty, and it's a great way to make your life a little bit easier because all of a sudden we've kind of figured out what you buy and how often you buy it, and we try to make it a benefit to you without invading your privacy. I had no idea. You know, the funny thing is I went to buy, they didn't have the Egglands. It was $1.97 a dozen, which is an amazing price for extra large. I went there one day and they were all out and, and the, the manager in that section told me they'd be getting more the next day and I couldn't go back the next day. So I went back two days later. The sale was still on and it said two for five. And I looked at somebody who was stocking the area and I said, but it's supposed to be $1.97. He said, don't worry about it. Went to the cash register, handed the checkout lady my VIC card and it came up a dollar ninety-seven a dozen because that was the special they had tied to my card. Am I right on that one? It, it, yes, it, absolutely yeah, right. It was tied to your card. We even tried I, to give customers a yeah. cupcake on their birthday. They came through. We'd try and give them a cupcake on their birthday. <laughs> I love. I love it. We we got to do part two in twenty nineteen. We're not going to have enough time to cover all this. But I'm moving around the table, Rick. I think we've covered this one. I want to talk to Chris Evans now. Chris, we've been talking about all of this wonderful, good, high side, the right side, the positives, and the moving ahead and being flexible and changing and disrupting and being on top of your game. Now let's talk about there is a possible downside. We have to do a reality check. Chris Evans told me the following in his notes before the show. He says, in-store fresh production can be a great differentiator for a grocer, but... 
Here's the caveat, but can carry significant risk if not executed well. The risks include higher waste levels, inconsistent product quality, and poor availability. Chris Evans, let's have the dark side of this topic, please. Go ahead. Yeah, the the um, the thing about fresh is that is that is, is that for for many grocers, um, they have to become producers and manufacturers of these fresh items. And it's not really in their DNA that they, they, they are they're very good at buying and distributing. But for, for some of these fresh counters, the bakery and the deli uh, and so on, they have to they have to they have to produce bread from ingredients and they have to um, mm-hmm. cut meat um, uh, primals down in, in, into items. So they need they need to have good production and replenishment systems to help them in that process. If they don't, then you then you tend to get high waste levels, poor availability, and so on and so forth. So, so the trick is to be able to um, make those right decisions, give the, give the staff the guidance on what to make and when to make it, um, and then fresh can be that great differentiator for you. Um, and uh, we, we see many customers who do a great job, and then we, we, we sometimes talk to people who are struggling in, in that area because, uh, as Randy said, you know, not everybody has got the, the systems in place to help them make those right decisions. Um, and that's really what I meant by those points. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Yes, it has to be done well. Let's move around the table. Randy Evans, love to get your thoughts on what Chris just shared with us. Go ahead. Well, I have to agree wholeheartedly. It's uh, um, the production in the back of the store is um, um, it can be fabulous. But it can also be a bit of a mess if you're not doing mm. it right. If you're not, I'll go back to that digital theme, um, the ability to understand the data and use data to drive the production is a, is a critical piece of success in the back of the grocery store. Interesting. I never think of the back of the grocery store. The only time I think of it is if I'm reaching for the milk and I see a hand coming from the supply side on the, on the other side of the shelf putting more milk milk quarts or milk, milk half gallons into the slot that is sliding down toward me. If I see that hand in the back on the refrigerator side, no more comments about that. Let's circle around to Rick Stein. Agree or disagree on the risks? Rick? So I do agree. Um, you know, if you think about it, Bonnie, when you've shopped, let's just take a produce department, perhaps you uh, went to the greens, uh, whether it was celery or anything, and you can tell the difference in freshness. You know, if the, if the leaves on the celery are a little bit wilted or the avocado skin is kind of starting to shrink up, you know, because you've experienced the shopping, you know which products are more fresh. So his point is, is that if you, and we talked about the workforce was changing, right? So we have younger mm-hmm. people coming into the business. They might not be steeped in history. If they don't order right, if they don't rotate their product right, mm-hmm. you're not going to have an optimal product out for the consumer. So this idea of using software to help forecast and decide what you're going to buy, how much you're going to buy, and when you put it out can be a great tool, but it comes with a risk. If you're not monitoring that tool, you can, you know, it's only as good as the inputs, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think his point is, is you want to rely on a digital platform, but the risk is, is people are interacting with that and you don't want them to make a mistake because it can create huge amounts of food waste or shrink 
you know, that's, that's the product that you have to throw away and you end up not selling it. And therefore you have a financial model that says, man, we got to raise prices because we, you know, we're throwing too much food away. So there, it's all that balance to help the consumer get the optimal product that's as fresh as can be. That's the goal. Rick, I think you're next. Rick, thoughts on this? You just asked me. That's what's Rick. Sorry, I'm trying to keep my voices straight and tweet at the <laughs> same time. Funny. I thought it was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm tweeting. I'm copying quotes from your notes. I'm sorry. And I didn't put the rum in the eggnog yet. Not yet today, but I'm going to need it after the show. Chris Evans, thank you for that great reality check there. Randy Evans, I'm looking at your notes here. And uh, let's talk about meal solutions. I think I know where you're going with this. I also love your comment. You say the three three areas of importance in food retailing are value, convenience, and experience. I think we've been covering that. But meal solutions are the wave of the future, putting dinner together. So what about meal solutions? Is is that part of the job of the, the retail store to show you what a meal would look like or to give you meal suggestions? How does that come into play in terms of the grocery with Fresh? Well, well, I'll go back to that digital conversation. When, yeah. when you're able to connect the dots digitally, really you're, you're connecting the dots with data and not just with empirical knowledge. So, for example, um, um, an effective way to communicate an offer to a consumer is to, let's say, let's give them a spaghetti dinner, right? So instead of selling them an ad that has the tomato sauce and the, and the, spaghetti and, uh, fr- you know, the French bread and the garlic uh, butter separately, you push them together and you're able to create this dynamic event that drives consumption. It helps with the conversations with suppliers because they can see the velocity gained from selling a meal versus a, a component of a meal. But it also leads to a better relationship with the shopper, convenience for the shopper, being able to put those meals together for them and market them together so the shopper understands that they're not just going to wander around the store and buy each of the individual items. They can get them in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it, it's been going on forever, but it's never been connected from a digital perspective. And I think with the advent of this digitization and the transformations that you're seeing across the country, we're going to be able to do some things in that arena that we've never been able to do before. For That's example, exciting. Yeah, um, I have type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. And I can see them coming to me with offers of products that fit my dietary requirements um, without me having to figure it out myself. So it adds, adds value and convenience along with that experience that we've talked about. Very interesting. Just could you reflect for a moment, uh, Randy, please, on services that deliver every ingredient you need to your house? These are subscription services. I I think one is called Plate or something, Blue Plate. I don't know. I, I don't do it. You know, but blue Apron. Where, I think is apron right, Blue Apron, where, where the package is. Is this something that's a brainchild of, of retail grocers, or is this something that's a disruptor? Just any thoughts on that, and I'll go around the table? Oh. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a disruptor, but it's a struggle, I think. Um, when you think about a specific meal, it's very expensive to create. You have to have a very specific piece of meat, a very specific, you know, you're, you're selling a three-ounce chicken breast, not a package of chicken breasts. And that costs money to produce and to subsequently raises the price. So I think that the, the concepts are still going to be great and going to be worthwhile, but I think they're going to morph into areas that bring efficiency, which provide that value. 
all those services, they're fantastic, but they're expensive. And they don't really hit the, 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 the big consumer in grocery is not the high-end consumer. It's the middle class and the lower middle class. That's where most of the food consumption is coming from. And this concept kind of helps address those folks as they look to make their lives more simple. Thank you. I love that. Gentlemen, we are technically in the predictions section of the show. We call it the crystal ball. So instead of having everybody comment on what Randy Evans just said, I'm going to start with you, Rick. I can give you 60 seconds. I warned you about this. I warned you in our prep call. When we get to this, we're really on the clock. Randy, Rick Stein first, FMI, then Chris Evans, ADC, and Randy Evans will last be our predictor. So Rick Stein, what do you predict? Grocery, fresh, Let's say any time between now and 2025, what's going to happen? Let's have it. Rick Stein, go. So I think in the next seven to uh, you know six to seven years, I'm going to get a little ding on my watch. It's going to tell me that my order is ready over at the local supermarket, Bonnie Supermarket. When I drive up to Bonnie <laughs> Supermarket, what'll be amazing is I haven't placed an order. I haven't. I haven't hit a thing. Mm. They have personalized it based on my history. They know what I do. They know that I'm loyal to them. And so when I get there, I'll actually, I can either have it put in my car, but more importantly, there'll be an experience that I can have in the store. So while they're loading up my car, I may go to the growler station and I may do some other things. They'll know if I'm a type 2 diabetes. They'll know what kind of uh, fluids I want to drink, what kind of cereals I want to eat, what type of fresh fruits and meats I want to prepare, including recipes. All of that will be done for me. And I will just get another beep a couple weeks later with a refill order. I think that's what I predict. Wow, I like that. I think. Okay, let's go, let's go around the table. Chris Evans at ADC. What do you think? What's your prediction, Chris? Go. Well, I think we I think we've agreed that um, consumers will, will be increasingly time poor. Um, I think they'll continue to be health conscious and socially conscious. So, so I predict that um, they'll get rid of more, the, the chore elements of shopping. So. The center store that we have now um, will become smaller, um, but but the fresh areas will stay. So so we'll have the incredible shrinking store where the format will shrink, the fresh category will stay will will become increasingly large, and most of the rest of the chore shopping will be done online and delivered to your home or your point of um, your, your your point of choice. But um, the consumer will always want to go into the grocery store to buy their fresh, um, and we'll have a smaller format store with a higher percentage of fresh foods. That's what I think will happen. Thank you very much. Saving a couple of, I've got 60 seconds left. That's it for Randy Evans. I'm sorry to bobble there, Randy. 60 seconds. What's your prediction, please? So I'll, I'll, uh, I get to go last, so I get to pile on. Uh, all the things that were mentioned, I'm going to say, are absolutely going to be a part of mine. The concept of a grocery store is going to morph. Um, we're going to put the fresh department up front. We're going to have experts. We're going to have butchers. We're going to have real butchers and real produce heads and real bakers and real deli experts. And they're going to be the they're going to be the the service arm of the of the companies. And we're going to put all the dry goods behind the wall. And we're going to use robots to select them. Have an efficient process, and we're going to end up with about 75% of our store volume going digital. So I can I can press that button. I can interact with my with my grocer. I can 
see the inventory that they have. I can um, select the products that I want, or I can have you select them for me. But I'm going to do it in a format that's going to allow me to be efficient across the entire supply chain. Thank you very much. We're out of time. I want to say thank you to my three panelists. But before I do, I want to say, Stephen Sparrow, you knocked it out of the park with this one, kid. Great topic. Great panel. And Stephen was kind enough to find the picture of the quart-sized container of Harris Teeter Light Eggnog for me. And if you want to see it, go to his his handle is at Retail Bird, R-E-T-A-I-L-B-I-R-D, on Twitter. You can see a picture of it. Thank you, Stephen. Wow to you and Casey Ryan. Thanks for listening as well. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. What a show this has been. Last show of our live season here on 2018. Wishing happy holidays and happy eating to everyone and happy drinking. And thank you, Stephen Sparrow and Kelly Cockshaw for a great season of Retail Leaders. Aaron at World Talk Radio, the business channel. You've been wonderful all year. And here's my call to action. Veet, veet, faster, faster. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Rick Stein at FMI, just like Chris Evans at ADC, and just like Randy Evans at SAP, and just like me. It's eggnog time. Have a great day. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP. The best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.